Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This episode of the Mode Push Podcast, it's the Italian Grand Prix at Monza, and it ended in a super boring fashion. Dan's going to break down exactly what we saw to get the podium that we did. Max Verstappen, another win. Can anybody chase this guy down? And a new name winning points in F1 for the very first race of his career. It's all on Mode Push. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And stop. He's let you cut with his Honestly. Up, guess it. Up, absolutely guess it. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome in, everybody. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, the podcast taking at least our region of the United States by storm. Come on, Dan Jimenez hosting with me. I'm Alex Keery. We are with you every week, uh, previewing and reviewing the races. Today, it's the Italian Grand Prix. I guess it's the, uh, what was it, the Pirelli Grand Prix, Dan? Wasn't it the, uh, was it the Pirelli was it uh was it a Heineken? I never know who this I never know who this the sponsors of these things are half the time. Yeah, the the Parmesan Grand Prix. I don't know. There's there's some mix of Italian words in there. Uh right off the bat, your uh your podium. Not necessarily a shock. And I think what some what a lot of people probably view as what the future of F one may have already, you know, we're kind of right there with Max Verstappen on the top step. Charles Leclerc. For Ferrari mm-hmm. at the uh, at the second spot in the podium, and then uh, George Russell uh, bringing up uh, third place on the podium. Carlos Sainz for Ferrari in fourth. Uh, Lewis Hamilton with a nice showing uh, in fifth. And so uh, the Mercedes team is just right there. They're just they're just fighting their butts off, uh, Dan. And but your reaction right off the bat to this race overall, uh, it was another win. If you just looked at it on paper. Max Verstappen with another win extends his lead in the championship race, uh, and Charles and Charles is just like right there in second place, and you feel like that's kind of the place that he's going to be the rest of the way. But this was Max's race because he started from seventh. Uh, it took him what how many how many laps before he finally got in the lead, and then that's where we ended the thing on a safety car, just how we love it. This is where Americans are going. So what happened? How did we finish the race like this? Yeah, that was. Um a bit of uh, a letdown. It's kind of the equivalent of like a tie at the end of a, you know, an NFL game. You're like, why, mm-hmm. why are we, why do we have ties? Uh, it, I, I think as a, as a new fan, you want it to always be a, as climactic as possible. And we can get into more of that later, why they, you know, landed on deciding with not putting the red flag in on the race. But I, yeah, looking at that podium, they, uh, you know, I think max is just solidifying and putting any doubt, uh, Removing any doubt to that he is the the man this year, and that Red Bull is uh, ahead of everybody else uh, by a large margin. And uh, you know, Ferrari I think had a good showing, especially coming out of uh, the gate on Friday morning in in the free practice, leading the free practices. 
there was a, a lot of optimism there. And I, I think that they did a, as good of a job as they, you know, could be a, uh, expected to have done with just the, you know, Red Bull's absolute dominance. It, it there, there wasn't anything that happened in this race that Ferrari could point to be like, oh, well, you know, the strategy or the pit stops or that's what kept us out of it. It was a, you know, straight up race with Max and they just got beat. Uh, Red Bull has the pace, obviously. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, like I, I watched this thing out of the surprises that you can get in a race like this. There didn't seem like there were a lot of surprises uh, except for Nick DeVries stepping in for uh, a, a sick Alex Albon who uh, hit got hit with the appendicitis <laughs> right before right before <laughs> the race, right? Isn't that what it ended up being? So yeah, he yeah. gets appendicitis. Nick DeVries steps in. So now what? This is a guy who's like the veteran uh, reserve. The veteran rookie. Right. Yeah. The veteran FP1, you know, take a few laps in, take your pick of the, the race teams he's done it with. But – uh, so where does he put himself now in this discussion of guys who could find themselves in F1 as everybody's looking around for a seat? Yeah, you have to think Latifi's sweating bullets looking <laughs> up the road and seeing DeVry and the same equipment show up and out outrun him because uh, you have to think that he's going to be taking Latifi's seat next year. If you're Williams and and Nick DeVry, you know, comes in last second on a Saturday and outruns your second driver and gets points – I mean, that's that's a business. That's decision a pretty that exciting. Yeah, that's a pretty exciting uh, uh, prospect for Williams, right? When you look at Alex Albon, who's been super sharp this year, and I think outperformed yeah. what the car's uh, you know uh, performance probably is. He's just he's a he's a pretty he, he's an astute driver, and obviously Nick DeVries. People just get excited about that kind of stuff. You show up and get ninth on your first like real actual. Uh, that just doesn't happen very often. I remember Yuki did he did it last year in his first race, right? He got tenth, or, or at least was in the points. Uh, maybe he got yeah. a couple points. Did the same kind of thing. I don't know if there's a version of this in in F1 of beginner's luck. Maybe that can happen on a, on a race like today, where you have the VSC and you end the race on on a safety car. But is there such a thing as kind of beginner's luck with this, or is this guy just have more talent than maybe and, and just never had the opportunity? I think he's certainly talented. Um, you know, he got a little bit of help from all the uh, grid penalties that so many of the other teams took uh, to start the race. And so he shuffled up the order a little bit, but he still had a good qualifying uh, showing. And so he started uh, up there in the top 10 and held his position. So I think a lot of credit goes to him. And maybe there's a little bit of beginner's luck, uh, but, you you know, take it where you can get it. So I, I was super impressed. And it was cool to see the other drivers after the race. Uh, when they were back at the paddock, you know, Lewis Hamilton, um, Max and did Max embrace and everybody him, yeah. going up and giving him big hugs and telling him congrats because you know he's just been hanging around for a while. He's 27, which is you know getting up there in, in years. You know, cons- what's considering the, Formula One. Yeah, what's the comparison? Like in the NFL, if you have if you if you're a running back and you're 29, you might as well be 62, knocking on the door to retirement. And so, is there such a thing as like? I mean, there, there is like a, a a drop off of 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 reaction times, things like that. Obviously, that come with age. Uh, you know, you think about the old guys on the grid who, you know, formerly it was the Iceman, right? You think about uh, Kimmy, but I think people look at guys like uh, Fernando Alonso and they go, "Well, he's forty one. I think he's what he is. I think he's forty one or forty two, and he's and he's right there, and he's got that that uh, that racer's edge." But they say that it falls off after a minute. But I don't know what like the prime racing age is. Is there one? I would say the mid twenties to mid thirties is is your prime racing age in Formula One. And the physical fitness is definitely a factor, and 
kudos to Fernando to still be able to run these races at his age. And Nick even said it at the end of the race, he said his, his shoulders were dead from just the G forces in that car all race long. Um, so yeah, it, it takes a toll on the body, but it probably more of the reaction time, hand-eye coordination, aggressiveness, willingness to take risks. That's probably what, what falls off more with age, uh, than the actual physical fitness that affects your, uh, you know, the driver's abilities. Uh, Charles, with the uh, with the legitimate poll yesterday on his qualifying, uh, the yeah. second best time on the you know lap lap time wise was Max. Uh, but then in the race, what is the difference really when somebody sees these times and they see that Ferrari has a quicker car maybe overall? What's the real difference here? Is it just that racing? Uh, is it just the racing talent that that uh, Max Verstappen has or? You know, I guess in a week like this, Ferrari didn't blow it, I guess, strategy-wise, unless I was missing something. But, you know, there seems to always be something that ails them, whether it is the VSC or whether it is something else. And I, maybe you can can explain that, that why Ferrari has a competitive car but never seems to be at the very front end of things when the race actually ends. Yeah, so there's there's a difference between your qualifying setup and your race setup. And qualifying setup is all about, you know, full out, one lap, you know, get everything you can out of the car. And then when you go to race trim, you have to think a lot about tire management and how is hard is this car going to be on the tires over the course of the race, as well as then the drivers have to, you know, manage the tires as well. Um, and so it just seems that uh, Verstappen and Red Bull have a better race pace and they're able to keep that pace up over the course of the entire stint better than Ferrari, even though Ferrari can go really fast on one lap and has a bunch of poles this year. But then, um, you know, Max kind of five, 10 laps into the race is just lapping faster than, than Charles. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's probably the primary difference there. And then on the driver's side of things, uh, tire management is a big deal. One thing I thought was interesting from the race today was Ferrari calling out to Charles after he pit the first time that he shouldn't be, um, short shifting. And what that is, um, is, Basically, when coming out of the corners and putting that power down, they don't have traction control on these cars like we do in the cars that we drive on, you know, uh, you know, daily drive sure. out on, um, on on the streets. So they have to control that. If, if they're spinning the tires out of the corners, they're going to heat those tires up and they're going to ruin them really quick and then be slow. So uh, Charles was short shifting. So he was shifting earlier in the rev range to prevent that uh, that wheel spin. But it was, you know, hard on the car, on the engine and the power unit. And so they, you know, the, the engineers called in. They're like, please stop short shifting. And Charles said, nope, can't. Sorry. There's, you know, I'll have zero chance of ever catching Max if I use my, if I burn my tires up right now. So there's some race management uh, going on there as well. There's so much that goes into that. And you see the strategy that comes with that. I, th- I know that everybody was upset with, not necessarily upset, but I think that there are questions, right? When you see how the how the the season ended last year in Abu Dhabi, the the heat that the FIA took for the heat that they did take and whether or not Michael Massa, you know, made the right decision or not, doesn't have a job anymore. So maybe that's the, <laughs> there's that, but it, but he also gave us like maybe the coolest ending, at least for people who have just gotten into F1, like that's about as good of an ending as you could get. A race that ends on a, on a safety car is like you said, it's not fun to watch. So, what is it that F1 can do to improve something like this? And what was the difference between Abu Dhabi, how that ended, versus how this ended? Why wasn't there a red flag? I know that everybody was asking for one. So what's kind of the, 
I guess the the uh, the limit there. What's what's like the minimum? Is it just the race director's call, and, and that's that one guy, and maybe the couple people that are in his ear that make that decision, or how did we get to this? Versus, you know, I think all the memes that I saw were, "Huh, safety car finish, huh, Max? That must be nice." With Lewis <laughs> kind of like looming behind him, you know. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. there's there are questions there because you go, well, we can't treat things differently for one race versus another. Yeah. So last year in Abu Dhabi, the big hangup was that they felt like Michael Masi made a call and bent the rules in the spirit of sporting, making an exciting finish. And that in the rules, like it was up to him as the race director to decide, are we going to have a red flag? Are we going to have a, you know, just a safety car? Are we going to let the lapped cars through? Like he was trying to, um, as the race director have, you know, a racing finish. And then when it didn't work out well for uh, Mercedes and they put up the fight, the, over the the winter break, all the teams got together and said, okay, no, we're going to make this more strict. We're going to say um, it's really only up to the discretion of uh, the race director on if you do a safety car, or if you do red flag it only based on safety. There's not going to be, they don't want it to um, be artificially creating drama or a yeah. tighter finish. Well, and obviously with by, all the debris that was on the track last year at Abu Dhabi is a pretty easy call in that sense. I think a lot of people thought that at least, but they cleaned it up so quickly. Like, let's get this thing going. That was like the idea yeah. of, yeah. of uh, so, it was wild. Yeah, the trouble, yeah, the trouble today was that they thought they were going to be able to push Ricardo's car off the track really quick. It right. was stuck in gear. They had to wait for the cherry picker to drive down there and pick it up. And uh, what surprised me was, you know, they're saying they were doing all this in the name of safety, but the I think the problem today was that the safety car did not pick up the leader meaning come out of the pits right in front of Max and get Max to slow down and then get allow for the rest of the train of cars to catch up to him. Right. That didn't work out like it should have. And instead, he picked up – the safety car picked up George in third. And so then, like, Max was still way out, way out in front running around, and it just took a long time to get the cars all caught up in the right spot behind um, the safety car. And so I think that exacerbated the issue and – um, you know, they wanted, I think for our, or, uh, the FIA wanted to make a point of like, no, look, this time we are going to follow the rules. So nobody can complain. Um, and had Abu Dhabi not happened, then, you know, maybe they, they wouldn't have felt that pressure to like, we're going to do this one by the book. So nobody has anything to say, but in that, in that process of everybody trying to catch up, um, and letting the, the lapped cars through, you had this cherry picker and marshals out on the racetrack <laughs> and they're backing up and like, you know, Ricardo's car is, you know, 20 feet up in the air and you have cars whipping by right. at a pretty good speed around the cherry picker. And I'm like, that's not safe. Like a, a, that feels like that should have been a red flag. If, if you're going to have um, those cars coming by as, as quick as they were. Well, was it, so, was it Jewel Bianchi yeah. who hit the cherry picker truck in Japan? Wasn't yeah. that, wasn't that the thing that actually was? So I think people see that and just kind of, there's an automatic like, Hey, there's a reason that we that we try to – I mean, safety cars, when you see them out on the track and you always you hear like Lewis and Max and all these guys who, who like uh, tail hardcore on, the, on, the, on, the, on that <laughs> rear end of the safety car, which, which is usually, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, this, this ridiculously souped up AMG, uh, yeah. you know, well, you could probably tell me the model of the, of the Mercedes that they use. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's a GT like 
black series yeah. just like as quick quick of a of a street legal car as you could come, that the, the, come by the car's almost going 100 miles an hour just at any point of the track right and so then yeah. and then whatever the aston martin is that they uh, use and split up the uh for that whole thing too but in the end like is it better is there a better way to do it is there a better way and i know race by race they have to consider every racetrack is different uh marshals are even if for as much as they can train these guys up, there's a kajillion marshals there, and the way that they handle things sometimes, I think about the guy, I don't know which race it was this year, when the car starts rolling backward, and they were like, get a block over here or something, because this car is in, I think it was when uh, Carlos Sainz's car was on fire, uh, I don't yeah. know which race, yeah. do you remember that one, when it starts rolling back, yeah. and the marshal like was kind of looking around going, oh, oh hold on, I, I've got something maybe for this back in the truck, and he's like walking back, <laughs> and he looked like me, he's like a little chubby, like trying to like get, you know, like back to the back to the car yeah. that was rolling off the, and Carlos signs like, my car's on fire, this thing's rolling back onto the track, I know that safety's a, a, a huge issue, and obviously there's a reason why the mortality rate in F1 has dropped considerably over the last few decades, Uh but how can this sport – the whole thing is every sport has to figure out how to make this thing more consumable, better for TV. And a race like today that ended like it did, when the when the commentaries, when the commentary team has to be like, well, you know, that was – you know, it ended the way it did. And look, every game – every football game is not going to be amazing. Every every baseball game – there's going to be a 15-to-1 baseball game that wasn't fun to watch since the second inning. But uh, I feel like that they're, they can control factors a little bit more, and maybe I don't know if there's a rule change that should still happen, or or if you want to see something go in a different direction so that they yeah. can have better finishes. Yeah, I think in the spirit of you know the integrity of the sport, we don't want to see the you know FI just calling a red flag just to make it more exciting. I think you know the corollary would be in a blowout. Now we're going to let uh, you know the the team that's uh, you know behind in the. Uh, start from the 50 yard line, every possession or something that's right. just, just doesn't make sense. Right. But I think that from a safety perspective, um, more can be done. And, um, especially like when you're getting down to those last five laps, it, there's this kind of trade-off cause you have to call the red flag with at least three laps to go because they have to do the out lap, like formation lap afterwards. And then, um, you know, do the standing start or whatever. So there's kind of like this, okay, you're kind of creeping into four, five laps to go, four laps to go, three laps to go. Okay. It's too late to do a red flag. And so they were trying to hurry everybody around. And in that hurry, I think they actually made it less safe for the marshals that were out there on the track. Um, and so I think that what they could do and what some people are calling for is, uh, allow for, you know, a red flag that doesn't allow for tire change or something like right. that. Because in, in Formula One, one of the unique things is under the red flag, they just let the mechanics and the teams do whatever they want to the cars. So is it, other, that's what I was going to ask. Is it is it not just the tire change stuff? It, I mean, it's not a park. It's not like a park Fermi situation where they're just like pull the cars in, don't touch these things or look at them. But maybe that would be, uh, you know, then then that uh, equalizing under the safety car, everybody changing tires that that ruins or makes it makes or breaks races for everybody depending on the weekend and what happens. So yeah. would they, or, or is, or is safety another issue with that where they go, no, we brought in these tires, they got cold and, uh, and, and then, you know, our whole strategy got ruined or, or, or wh- wh- why wouldn't they do something like that? Why would they allow for just cars to be, because we've seen full, uh, you know, fins being replaced. We've seen noses replaced in red flags and, and, and all the tires yeah. and everything and, and work being done on these cars. And so I don't know what the limit is on those things or why they, that, why they allow it, I guess. 
Yeah. And I, the FAI can make the call. I think a lot of it is just probably tradition and what the teams are used to. Um, but I think that after today's race, you're going to see more calls from the teams too, and I, from the fans as well, to have a more clear procedure around the end of a race to in, just ensure great racing and a good finish. And I mean, it was funny. Christian Horner was like at the end of the race was like, yeah, I think they should have red flagged it. I think that would have been appropriate. It's like well, easy for you to say you won the race handily. And you benefited from it going right. the other direction last time this happened. So that guy's just totally shameless. So what are we looking at in terms of a schedule now? When you look at the when you look at this calendar, and uh, the the Russian Grand Prix, of course, uh, was uh, was canceled. Are we ser- are we seriously three weeks away from another race here, Dan? Is the next race uh, that we're going to see on the schedule the one that you're going to be at in Singapore? It is. There is a long break. This is a bummer. So, this is a real bummer. This is a real bummer. Now, the good news is race seats are still not decided on totally. And so there's going to be some, I would assume, this is like a mini This is like a mini summer break after the summer break that already happened. So I mm-hmm. feel like that there could be some, or, or is there space for changes to be made? Is this when teams could get some things done maybe contract-wise and will be more set on what the seats look like next year in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. I expect to to see a lot of these open driver spots firm up over the next few weeks. I think a lot of teams will be able to make um, progress too on their cars and bring new uh, equipment things to try in Singapore. And, you know, Ferrari and uh, Mercedes, they definitely want to get snag a few wins from from Red Bull before the season ends and gain some momentum going into the offseason. And I think that there are some tracks that will lend themselves towards that Singapore, Japan, uh, Brazil, uh, Abu Dhabi. These are, these are all, um, more kind of high downforce tracks that I think will work well for Mercedes and, and Ferrari and, uh, maybe equalize the playing field. So I, ex- I expect some good competition in these last, uh, what is it? Six races, right? Uh, the flyaways, they call them, right? Uh, we're going to get out to some faraway races, Singapore at the very end of this month, uh, Japan, in the following week after right there, then they come back uh, to North America. You've got the U.S. Uh, Grand Prix that's going to happen, of course, down there in Austin. And then the Mexican Grand Prix and uh, and then Brazil. And then they wrap everything up in Abu Dhabi like they did last year. So there, there's the rest of the season there. And Max Verstappen has the last five race wins in a row. He's got 11 on the season. He's got 31 overall in his career. What's he on pace to do? Because is this obviously he's on pace for his second world driver championship, but is he the type of guy that it would set up for? You have to have a lot of things go right for you. You have to basically have not just be the best driver on the grid. You have to have the best car on the grid uh, to be able to stack up multiple world championships. And so uh, is it the kind of thing where this guy could give us some boring racing over the next seven years as well as on his way uh, to Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher type uh, elevated status. Yeah. As a fan, let's, let's hope not. Let's hope it stays more competitive, but man, he is just on fire. That team is just doing super well. I think that the regulations for next year uh, will help level the playing field a bit more uh, and take away some of the advantage that Red Bull has had. So we'll see. But I mean, Max is getting himself in the conversation there of like top three, definitely top five driver uh, of all time with just the, a number of race wins that he's accumulating. I think he ties Nigel Mansell today, I think uh, was who he tied for 31 wins. Uh, so 
I mean, it's it's always hard to to respect the uh, uh, you know legendary status of somebody you kind of own during your own era. Right. You know, it's kind of it's all taken us a while to really respect that Tom Brady probably is the best quarterback in the NFL <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Because you kind of just like you're you're watching him play every week. But I think, you know, Verstappen needs to be in that conversation of, you know, top five drivers of all time. And we're just kind of watching that dynasty uh, and that, you know, legend kind of being written right now. Well, it's pretty wild, too, because you think about the start that he got and then you think about uh, where that team was. But in the middle of all of it, the maybe the 1A or 1B best driver in the history of F1 was when it's in the middle of winning all his championships. And so this kid's kind of still waiting his turn. And now he's still super young. He's got a lot of years with that Red Bull team who seem to have their stuff together. It's like that. Christian Horner has his crack team, you know, Helmut Marco for all of his weirdness. And, and like I said, looking like the, the, the evil, the evil, uh, I mean, pick your pick your villain. Helmet Marco looks like all of them, and he seems scary too. And he seems like every, it doesn't seem like everybody at Red Bull, and maybe everybody outside of Red Bull is scared of Helmet Marco. I would be frightened. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like he, I feel like he'd stare you down, and it just would it would it would not go well. So Max Verstappen, in the middle of all of it, he's uh, you can tell that his head is down, and he is just pushing away and he does not he has no he's no respecter of any of these other guys on the on the grid including his teammate including anybody else and red bull is uh on fire and on its way to a world driver championship and a constructors championship and it doesn't seem like that train's going to stop anytime soon so uh looking forward to it dan how should we do this thing i think what we're going to do is still drop some weekly episodes on the way up to singapore and then certainly when when we get closer to singapore uh I don't know. Are you taking a boat over there? Or how are we figuring this thing out? I mean, do we are we right. going to be able to still communicate with you on the way out there? And uh, I still want to be able to do our race breakdowns. Yeah, yeah. I'll take my satellite phone and <laughs> we'll dial in. And yeah, no, I, I'm excited to uh, just kind of report the whole experience because I I've actually never been to this will be my first F1 race that I've attended uh, in person so I'm really excited just to you know that in general plus being in uh, a venue like Singapore is going to be really special so I'm going to take lots of copious notes and photos and videos and be uh, you know excited to share you know that whole experience with with all of our listeners uh, in here in a few weeks I go you like I go to a lot of sporting events I would be intimidated by an F1 paddock I really would I I have no I, I've been in a lot of stadiums. I've been in like the biggest college football venues. I've been to a lot of the biggest games and I would be, I feel like I'd be lost at a paddock. I, I, th- I feel like there's still a lot of like things that I don't know about the sport that I would probably learn there at the actual race weekend at the track. And so I think that's the exciting part is all the stuff that, you know, we, we consume it on a very kind of uh, consumable manner. But when you're there at the racetrack, Getting there would be hard. Although this one's nice because it's a city, it's a it's a it's a city circuit, and so you're not driving out into the countryside and and have those nightmarish right. uh, traffic situations that we pretend like don't happen on the way out to these races. <laughs> uh, so, of all the races you pick to be your first F1 race, might as well pick the one that's the furthest away to travel to. So you that's right, really yeah, opposite one. side of the world, make it easy on myself. Yeah, I, I'm excited to to get in there and, and just kind of be close to the cars and the teams. And I just remember when I started out in NASCAR and going to my first, you know, few races as, you know, an actual uh, race engineer and being in the garage, just being so impressed by the level of uh, professionalism that everyone was just taking their job, you know, as seriously as anybody would in any profession. But uh 
because as a fan, you come in, you're like, oh, this is neat. It's fun. This is, you know, like, uh, you know, it's sports, it's, uh, you know, bright lights and all of that. But when, when that garage opens, it's time to work and everyone is very serious. Everyone's very talented. And even like the back markers, the guys that, uh, are, are the slowest, you get intimidated by them, you know, you'd be, you, you would just be blown away at how, um, you know, advanced and talented these guys from Haas or Williams or, uh, Alpha Tauri are, even though that they seem like they're the bottom of, of the barrel in terms of, uh, performance, uh, it's, and it just only goes up from there. Like you were facing 20 serious competitors, nobody's a pushover. And, uh, it's just a, a level of, um, you know, professionalism that is just contagious and a lot of fun to be around. Uh, Dan Jimenez, he's one of the hosts of mode push. I'm the other one, Alex Curie, and we've got a lot of, uh, we've got a lot of stuff still to break down. I've got a lot still to learn also. Uh, okay. Before we get out, final kind of thoughts on this race. If we put the, uh, 2022 Italian Grand Prix to bed and you've got, uh, you've got these, uh, you know, these, these side storylines and the stuff that's kind of important. Then there's the, the actual like championship stuff. Uh, there were some forgettable moments for, for a lot of these teams today, but what's the stuff that stood out that may be that side note, uh, not necessarily easily is picked up on, on the TV side of things or on the broadcast that caught your attention? Uh, I think that Ferrari's still very clearly the number two manufacturer right now. They gapped uh, Mercedes, I think, in terms of performance the entire weekend, even though the podium may not show it with, um, I, I guess, Lewis was uh, ahead of Carlos in the end. I believe. And, um, uh, I think that, uh, Carlos's run up through the field in the first half of this race was super impressive. I think he showed a ton of speed. Uh, and I, I'm excited for Ferrari to continue to challenge. And I am still predicting, uh, at least one, if not two Ferrari wins before the end of the year. Boy, they certainly hope so. They had that, uh, that flash of a start and then it's like just been crickets ever since. So, uh, we're hoping for it as well. All right. Uh, for Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie, we are going to uh, put this one to bed, uh, and we hope that you are out there wherever you're listening and enjoying this show. We're going to keep putting this thing on. So for Dan, I'm Alex. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we're going to drop some episodes uh, every week still and still get you ready for whatever the driver market might bring and whatever some of the drama is that is off the track. And if there's any development uh, engineering-wise or announcement-wise or anything that Dan could be uh, educating us on. We're going to absolutely hit him up. So uh, for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll talk to you next week, everybody.